One quick story. Uh, sometimes these things happen and no one knows about it. Sometimes uh, word gets back or we find out. Uh, just a cool story about the community here at College Hills. Uh, last week, uh, had some a family here who's in a small fender bender, just a little rear end, nothing major. Uh, but as is the case when you have a little fender bender, uh, you have to wait and process paperwork and all of that. And so they were sitting on the side of the road kind of waiting for all of that insurance and, and police officers to take care of those things. And one of our other members was driving by uh, and noticed them and their small family uh, sitting on the side of the road. And so without being prompted, without being asked, she drove, grabbed a bunch of pizzas because it was around dinner time and they were late for dinner, uh, and drove back and created a little community there and, and provided for them dinner just because she saw a need and she responded to it. Uh, and I just stumbled upon that story this past week. Uh, I thought it was one of those great moments of community uh, where we're trying to serve and love each other. Uh, and sometimes that stuff gets noticed and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but it's the spirit of what that person did uh, that I want to hold up as an example of the kind of community uh, that we're trying to be and how we love each other. So I want to say thank you to that individual uh, who served in that way. Um, we're about to jump into the first or second sermon of this sermon series. Kevin kicked it off last week called Facing Your Giants, and today we're going to, to discuss the first in this series. So let's pray, and then we will jump into our sermon for this morning. God, we're grateful for today. Uh, I'm grateful for the men and women that you have brought here today. Uh, for giving us life and safety and grace. Uh, I'm grateful that you have sustained us for this new week, uh, and we're on the verge of a new month. Um, and so we ask that you would bring a spirit of refreshment and renewal to our hearts. God, I pray this morning that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching, uh, and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts, uh, that we would hear your voice, uh, and we wouldn't just hear your voice, but we would respond to it and be transformed by it. And it's in that process of transformation that we would become more and more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, by the power of your spirit. Amen. On April 30th, 2019, just a little less than a month ago, a significant event happened that many of you probably don't know about unless you are a baseball fan. Uh, because on April 30th, C.C. Sabathia, the New York Yankees, created a major accomplishment in his career. Uh, he threw his 3,000th strikeout. And by doing that, he joined a list of great pitchers, some of the greatest of all time, ranging from Nolan Ryan to Randy Johnson, Steve Carlton to Greg Maddox, and became only the 17th pitcher to ever make it on this list and only the third left-handed pitcher to ever make it on this list. And one of the things that makes this accomplishment so impressive is because players do not get on this list unless they play over the long haul. That you don't get on a 3,000 strikeout list unless you play the game a long time. And there was a few seasons ago where Sabathia wasn't sure if he would be able to make it over the long haul. Because as his career faded, as he aged, as he played the game longer and longer, the things that he relied upon to make him a great pitcher, power, velocity, fastballs, were slowly fading along with his career. And so he did something surprising and very uncomfortable. 
he completely reinvented his game. He transitioned from a power and velocity pitcher to a command and pinpoint control pitcher. With the help of Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit, he learned a new pitch, the cutter, and that pitch became his dominant pitch over the last several seasons. One of the new pitchers on the New York Yankees recently remarked, he's morphed his game and he's still getting it done. Not many people can play the game a certain way their whole career and then change it and still get it done. C.C. Sabathia will retire at the age of 39 at the end of this season, which I think is a great age to retire. But he will do so with a feat that very few people or pitchers accomplish because of one key reason. He was willing to be he was willing to change. He was willing to stretch and grow. Comfort could have been a giant that stood in the way of him finishing his career the way he wanted to. But instead, he was willing to experience discomfort in order to become all that he was intended to be as and I couldn't help but think of Sabathia's story, not only because C.C. Sabathia is just a fun name to say, but also because his story reminds us of something that we know to be true about life. Growth requires discomfort. Growth requires discomfort. In any area of life, if we want to grow to become all that we're intended to become, it will require discomfort. If you want to grow to become all that you're intended to be as a teacher, then you're going to have to experience the discomfort of that new classroom, the challenge of difficult students, and learning to navigate different learning styles. If you want to become all that you were intended to be at your place of work, then you're going to have to learn the challenge of working those mundane jobs that no one wants to do, of learning the ropes behind the scenes of, of having hard conversations with your boss and your peers. If you want to grow into all that you're intended to become as a parent, you're going to have to experience the discomfort of those sleepless nights and learning what makes your child responsive and not responsive. You're going to have to learn how to have hard conversations with your spouse and communicate with them. You're going to have to learn how to discern how to raise a child in a changing world. It doesn't matter what you want to grow to become, whether it's a boss or an athlete or a musician or a teacher or a leader. If you want to grow into all who you were intended to become, that growth is going to require discomfort. It is true in any area of life, and yet, when it comes to the life of faith, this is a difficult principle to rally around. Because when it comes to our lives of faith, the giant called comfort is not always the easiest to discuss. Now, I should say, I freely chose our topic this morning by my own free will. Kevin gave me a few different topics to preach upon. 
And I chose this one knowing that this was probably going to be a bit more challenging of a sermon. But you see, I'm also preaching next week. And the topic that I've picked for next week is rejection. So my hope is, if I preach enough of a challenging sermon on comfort this week, then I will have plenty of life experience to pull from through the course of this week, and I'll be ready to go next Sunday to talk about rejection. And I say that a bit lightheartedly, but, but there's some truth in the fact that this is not the easiest topic to talk about. Comfort is one of those unsuspecting giants that we don't often talk about. And I say unsuspecting because we need to clarify, there, there's something about comfort that's actually good and necessary. We, we are in times and places and seasons where we need comfort. If you go through a season of grief and difficult loss, then you need to spend a season resting in the comfort of God and others. If you work your fingers to the bone at a job and you finally get that vacation that you've been waiting for all year, it is a good thing for that vacation to be restful and safe and comfortable. If you have been tossed around by the challenges of life, if you have felt the sting of sin, then it is a good thing for you to come to church and experience the healing, comforting love of Jesus. Those are good things. Comfort and safety are good for different seasons of our life. But as I was reminded in preparing for this lesson... Giants don't become giants overnight. Giants start small, and then they grow until they are the ones calling the shots. And sometimes this can happen before we even realize it. That we can allow comfort to be a season in our life of faith. But before we know it, it becomes the standard for our life of faith. Another way to say it, comfort for a time and a place when a life of faith, what we're talking about, is good. But comfort as the only time and place for our life of faith is not good. Comfort is a good thing, but when comfort becomes an ultimate thing, then we have a problem. Comfort for a season of the life of faith is life-giving. But comfort as a state of being for our life of faith is deadly. When comfort begins to become the primary factor in our decision-making, in the places we go, in what we do, in our lives of faith, in our communities of faith, then we begin to move in a deadly direction. To quote the always provocative Anne Lamont, if we stay where we are, where we're stuck, where we're comfortable and safe, we die there. We become like mushrooms living in the dark with poop up to our chins. If you want to know only what you already know, you're dying. You're saying, leave me alone. 
I don't mind this little rat hole. It's warm and dry, really, it's fine. When nothing new can get in, that's death. When oxygen can't find a way in, you die. But new is scary, and new can be disappointing and confusing. We had all this figured out, and now we don't. New is life. Lamont reminds us of how difficult it can be to be in a place of discomfort. Because that means newness and change. But she also reminds us of how deadly comfort can be. Because newness and change mean life. And if you and I, men and women, followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ, want to be men and women who experience the life of God, then we're going to have to be open to times and places and seasons of stretching and discomfort. If we want to be men and women who are transformed fully into the image of Jesus, then part of that transformation, part of that growth into who God is making us to be is going to require some seasons of discomfort. Summer after my junior year of college, I was a preaching intern at a church in Middle Tennessee. And the minister there that summer was was my boss, technically, but he became more of a mentor through the summer. And one of the ways that he was a mentor to me is he didn't just coach me up in the ways of ministry, but he also coached me in the ways of the life of faith. And I remember one conversation in particular that I had with him one day where I was venting some about some challenges that I was having at the ministry position I was in at that church. And I was also venting some about some some life stuff, some personal things that were going on that were really difficult at the time. And, And he listened to me for a while, as he did often that summer. And he leaned back in his chair and he closed his eyes with this loving, restful face, and he said this verse without even opening his Bible. My dear children, for whom I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And he opened his eyes, and he leaned forward on his desk, and he looked me dead in the eyes, and he said, Wilson, the path of ministry is difficult, and so is the path of maturity. He said nothing else. But I have thought often about that conversation because in two sentences he, he exposed how brilliant he was as a pastor and a mentor. Because on the one hand, he, he described something that I needed to learn. That ministry is difficult. Ministry is difficult for Paul and ministry has been difficult for anyone else who has ever continued in the stream of Paul. Ministry is challenging. Ministry is difficult because you invest in people, and sometimes that hurts and is difficult. But he was also saying a second thing that was a bit more subtle and that was a bit more significant for me at the time. He was also naming something that was happening in my life of faith, my own personal life of faith that I hadn't realized, that I was going through some growing pains that I was maturing in faith, that God was moving me into a new place in my faith journey. And that's difficult too. Maturing into the image of Jesus 
is difficult. Growing into men and women who look like Jesus more and more in all that we do requires discomfort. Faith formation into the image of Jesus means that we are going to have seasons in our life where we stretch in order to grow. Discomfort is essential to our transformation into the image of Jesus. And it's that second thing that my mentor said to me that I want us to linger on just a bit longer this morning because it gets at the nature of faith and a big theme in Paul's writings that we can sometimes miss or gloss over. For Paul, at the heart of his ministry, at the heart of his vision for what he was trying to do as a pastor, was trying to help bring about, by the power of God, transformation in the lives of these communities of faith where he was working. He was convinced that the one who began a good work in these churches would bring it to completion. But if you keep reading through Paul, you will soon realize that just because God is doing a good thing in our life, does not mean that we will never experience hard things, difficult things, stretching things. Paul had this larger vision of transformation that runs throughout all of his letters, this conviction that God was at work in these men and women's lives, that God was bringing about transformation into the image of Jesus. And that meant that there were seasons and times and places and people that would stretch them in order for them to grow into all that God intended for them to become. And it was at the heart of Paul's vision for faith formation, and it should be at the heart of our vision for faith formation. What it means for you and me, us as a community of faith, to become all that God has intended us to become, it means that we open ourselves to the reality that we will have seasons of stretching, discomfort, Challenge, change, newness. I like the way Luke Giglio says it. He says, faith thrives in holy discomfort. Faith thrives in holy discomfort. And the reason I love this quote is because it reminds us that, that those moments where we experience discomfort, the moments where we feel stretched, the moments where we feel we're at the brink of what we can take it is in those very moments that God can do formative work in us that God could not have done unless we were at a place to let God work in our life, to stretch us into all we're intended to become as followers of Jesus. In the same book where he writes this quote, he also tells a story about a house that he and his wife moved into. It was a new house, and they had this beautiful garage out back, and they noticed that as the seasons changed, there began to be this small bird's nest that began to be formed up on the top of this garage, which wasn't a really big deal for Giglio and his wife, except for the fact they had also placed the doghouse of their new dog right next to the garage, right below the bird's nest. And so Giglio talks about how he, he, he watched with a little nervousness about what actually was going to take place on that fateful day, the day that everybody knows is coming. 
when those birds will eventually leave their nest of safety and security. And they watched and they watched and they watched and that fateful day came. And Giglio talks about how he noticed that there were some birds that the mama bird was having to nudge out of the nest. And then there were some of those more adventurous birds who were crawling out on their own. But no matter how they got out of the nest, when they began to free fall, that's when Giglio began to get nervous. And he said the most amazing thing happened. They began flapping their wings, and before he knew it or they knew it, they were navigating the air in a whole new way. And obviously, you probably don't have to make the leap too far in your mind. Giglio goes on to compare that moment with our lives of faith. That we're men and women who can be tempted to stay in the nest where it's comfortable and safe. That maybe we're comfortable with how our church operates because it's working for us. And so why would we want to experience the discomfort of trying new things? We're comfortable with the people and relationships in our life. So why would we want to make more space for new and different people? We're comfortable with how our family looks and the way we've created it. So so why would we want to consider an orphan care initiative? We're comfortable with our sin. In fact, we've renamed it to make it feel at home. So why would we want to confess it or repent or remove it? We're comfortable with our finances and feel pretty good about them. So why would we want to give to that initiative or change how we spend our money? We're comfortable with how things are in our life because we're the top priority of our lives. So why would we want to sacrifice for that person or or that people group? We're comfortable with how we stand on an issue and what we believe about faith So why would we want to study that issue or have hard conversations about that topic? We're comfortable with the grudges and resentment that live in our heart. So why would we even want to try to do the hard work of reconciling with them? We're comfortable with the bubble that we have formed around our lives. So why would we even want to befriend those people or listen to those challenging voices? Giglio doesn't stop there with his story. He goes on to remind us of a hard truth that we all need to be reminded of from time to time. That the gospel of Jesus calls us out of our nests of safety. That the gospel of Jesus calls us out into new, different, stretching circumstances. Sometimes... We get nudged out by life, and sometimes we make the choice to go out on our own. But regardless of how we get there, regardless of how the free fall begins to happen, we cannot become all we're called to become without leaving the nest and experiencing the discomfort of change and challenge and stretching. And in doing so, if we don't, 
We don't just miss out on who we are called to become. We also miss out on the one who is bringing the good work to completion. I want to close with these words by Lou Giglio. What matters is not that you and I wait until we feel fully strong. We don't need to learn how to fly before we jump out of the nest. What matters most is that we understand that we move in God's strength. As soon as we grasp that, we're ready for battle. Sure, when we do that, we could be put in an uncomfortable position. Yet we will also be in the place where we can see the salvation of God. Face the giant called comfort. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Amen. God, thank you for this morning. We are grateful that you have given us a community of faith that allows us to remember that we do not walk through seasons of discomfort and challenge alone. We have a community to support us, to discern with us, to to wrestle with us, to know what it looks like to be faithful. And so I thank you for the men and women here, for their love for you, for their love for each other, like we were reminded of this past week in the smallest act of service. God, I pray that you would help us to have courage and faith and trust and love, not just for you, but also each other as we move ahead. That you would bring about transformation in our lives. That you would give us those seasons where we experience the comforting, healing love of Jesus. That you would also help us to be people willing to be stretched by that same love not just for our own sake, but for the sake of you and your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.